0: As the synthesizer in my brain uh-huh. is always stuck on steel drums. Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chad Redmond. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Kentucky Route Zero, which was a game that was developed by Cardboard Computer, published by Annapurna Interactive, and was released in... twenty. Well, <laughs> it was released in 2020... Sort of. The full release. Yes. The final episode came out in January of this year. Uh, and this is probably talked about a lot in regards to this game, but I feel like it's a place to start. This game was kickstarted in 2011, I want to say, and the first episode came out in 2013. Uh, and we played that first episode. Mm-hmm like way a million
1: yeah like five years ago or something it's been a while
0: yeah and so the game has been releasing and we have just been not playing it yeah
1: we were waiting for the whole thing
0: right little did we know like it would be periodically we would be like sitting around doing nothing (laughs) and one of us would be like is Kentucky Road Zero done yet? <laughs> <laughs> we would have to Google it and be like, Nope. <laughs> I guess yeah. we'll wait another year. And then
1: I would like confuse it with other games on your in your Steam library. I'm like, was it was it oxen free or <laughs> Kentucky Road Zero? Like which one was the one? With the with, that with the dog? <laughs> yeah, and the guy the
0: truck. Yeah. Uh so yeah. It's had sort of a tumultuous release cycle, uh, which is, I want to say, it's weird for sure. Like, it's not a thing that normally happens. It it almost kind of feels like the different episodes of this game are, like, individual sequels, but just ones that only take 45 minutes to an
1: hour and a half to finish. They try to do something different with each one. Yeah. And
0: in addition to that, this game is... Well, first of all, this game is hard to describe and talk about, Um, but we've got an hour and a half, so let's try Mm. and make it count. Uh, But the game is far more of like an art project than it is
1: a traditional adventure game. Mm -hmm. There aren't really puzzles.
0: Right. Or impediments in any way. Yeah, it's
1: uh, very narrative-focused. Mm-hmm. And...
0: I actually think that this, like, incredibly long-form release schedule kind of helps with that, because it allows it to take on a different tone entirely. Like, the like if artistic expression is an emotional thing, which I imagine most people <laughs> would argue it is, uh-huh. the amount that your life can change from year to year really changes how you want to express things Mm -hmm. and you can see how the the game sort of changes its tone to being more like like it has this overarching tone uh and this like genre of magical realism which is complicated in itself and a little strange uh but you can tell like it has these peaks and valleys as you go through it and there's some some parts of this game are really funny other parts are real sad other parts reflect certain elements of like the economy and the state of the world at the time mm-hmm. like it's it's really crazy to go through it all at once because it does feel like this sort of multifaceted thing
1: yeah the long development period does feel like you can feel the priorities of the narrative shift over time like i'd be shocked if the original idea for the ending is the same as the ending is now when they started it's because it feels like the focus and the things that are important early are so far like away from what's important by the end
0: yeah And, I mean, this is obviously personal preference, like eyes of the beholder, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, for me, I feel like before you know if you're going to like playing this game, you have to get at least most of the way through Act 2 before you, like, really get a grasp on if, like, this is speaking to you or not. Mm -hmm. I think the first act of this game is, while intriguing... It feels like it's setting up for something that the game isn't.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And having played the first act so long ago, <laughs> it ended up to, like, be making this a really weird experience. Because, like, I love the first episode. It's probably my favorite one. Or act, whatever you want to call it. And because like, it really sets up the zero mm-hmm. as, like, this interesting mystery. Like, the premise is cool it's very like twilight zone or like twin peaksy or you know um as you said magical realism etc uh you're this old man making a delivery and the address he has like doesn't exist seemingly mm. and he it starts at this gas station with like a mysterious uh attendant, and he points you towards this underground uh highway known as route zero that may or may not exist itself, and it's really built up. And the whole first act is you trying to find it. Yeah. And it's yeah, the pacing's great and the build up is great, and like exploring the map is interesting. Like there's cool visuals. It, it it has like a really strong like central concept, I think. And then once you hit act two, it it's kind of similar. They start to push out into different things, and then by act three. And four, they just go completely different, and it becomes less cohesive as it goes. And I I liked the little, like, the setups in the first act that don't really get followed up on.
0: Yeah, and that lack of cohesion is, like, I feel like there's two elements to it, because I do agree with what you're saying. I don't agree that act one is my favorite. If anything, it's probably my least favorite, but that's, like, obviously a a very different uh, sort of... Like, that's not really a, a marker of quality, because mm-hmm. I still like the first episode, uh, or the first act, but it is, like, it because it is so different, and it doesn't get into the stuff that's in this game that I really enjoy, it's not there for me. But the, the lack of cohesion feels partly because of this extended development cycle, and obviously partly because of the constant, like switching up of things with the little interstitial episodes. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that enhances the game. I like, agree. The uh, The differences in kind in the interstitials is really well done, I think.
0: But I also think that part of the lack of cohesion is intentional as you see the game shift toward this like ensemble cast as you start picking up like basically every person you run into on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I-, I honestly don't know... Where to begin with this?
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah, there's a lot of good places. I guess, speaking more broadly like we are now, this is a point-and-click. Mm-hmm. But having played it on Switch, like on a console, it didn't really feel like it while I was playing it. And I just wanted... To, I think that's interesting, like how many like point-and-click adventure... Inspired games like something like the cat lady as well like you can troll that with arrow keys yeah and you know like that kind of like it's almost like a de-evolution or a deconstruction of the genre at that you see a lot of nowadays to the point where like while you're playing it even though it's basically the same thing it feels totally different
0: yeah this game feels like it's abstracted away from the point-and-click uh, in, like, the design. Like, parts of it... Most of what you do with the mouse when you're playing this game are clicking on dialogue choices. And and you have the movement mechanics of clicking around with uh, the mouse to direct your character to go from place to place. But... Aside from that, like, what defines the adventure game genre as we knew it in, like, the LucasArts days is, like, this puzzle design and and elements of pixel hunting, things like inventory management, and none of that at all is present. And similarly to the Cat Lady, it makes it feel like when you're playing through the game, you are feeling less and less like you did when you played Grim Fandango. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not the same feeling at all to the point where you start to forget it's like playing an action rpg and being like well it is just a role-playing game that you move around and press buttons in (laughs) yeah but like you forget like the turn-based origins of the genre completely when you're playing them yeah it feels like that even though they're solidly within the same thing and playing with a controller just abstracts
1: it even Mm -hmm. more um and so another one of like the key Mechanical things in this game is you're making decisions, like dialogue decisions, constantly. Yeah. And I felt like early on, they felt like they would be significant things. Maybe not all of them, but like enough of them. And as the game goes on, it seems pretty clear that they aren't significant in the slightest.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends on... Your definition of significance, like they but don't that change, might be splitting hairs. They don't change the story at all.
1: Right. Like, it, in, in the beginning, it feels like there are decisions that you could make that would change what would happen, and as it goes on, it becomes more and more obvious that that's not true.
0: Yeah. I think, because what it is, is it doesn't change the story, but it changes what parts of the story you hear Mm -hmm. because you can basically choose what elements you want to focus on and act four makes this really explicit but in other places it's really subtle uh and i i do like that i feel like it should have been more transparent because when you play, when I play a game with dialogue choices, I want to role play as, like, the character that I'm playing as. Mm-hmm. Uh, make the choices that seem like they make the most sense. But the way to enjoy this, the way that I enjoyed this game was to not think about it. To just sort of go with what feels right in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what's the most interesting or what, like, just rolled off the tongue the nicest. Uh-huh. like, And those, and that just sort of, like, makes the story unfold really naturally it doesn't feel like you have an objective really ever uh and i think that benefits
1: it yeah it it is remains engaging throughout even though it's pretty like flaccid in reality (laughs) like you know like it doesn't really actually do much but like it is enjoyable in a way it's hard to describe almost like uh like it's like tailoring it kind of to your tastes a little bit.
0: Yeah, like you're answering their personality questions. Yeah, would you prefer this or that? And actually, the one of the interstitials, uh, probably my favorite one, uh, which was here and there along the echo, is literally just a phone. Uh, prior to the release of I believe the the like complete edition of the game the only way to like access this interstitial was to literally call the phone number that's on the back of the <laughs> the pamphlet uh, also I guess they sold like a promotional phone like it was just uh-huh. like a phone that you could buy one time that only dialed that number Wow Yeah. Uh, So that's odd, but (laughs) (laughs) it it just feels like, uh, it's, it's like the description of the game as just picking the things you feel are relevant to you is essentially comparing the game to a touchtone phone interface. And so they literally put one in the game. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think they made all the interstitials free Mm -hmm. on their website or whatever to play, uh, even if you don't want to buy the game I don't know if you can still do that it would be super
0: confusing also I yeah feel like. not that this game isn't <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but yeah the the phone and like the um the the one that's designed to be in VR like mm-hmm. the uh the entertainment yeah the entertainment are they're all pretty cool those are the two standouts I think um and the TV station is cool too like they're just they add like, in a, like, world-building sense, I guess? Like, they just kind of flesh out the world and let you see things from yet even more perspectives than you already get.
0: Yeah. Well, the entertainment and... The entertainment was the... I feel like the entertainment is, like, the groundbreaking part of this game, and I will expound on that in a little bit because that's where, like, my perception of it really shifted. But it and... Um... Pueblo de Nada, the people of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that the TV station interstitial are not just unlike all of the other ones are like critical information for you to understand. the what comes up in the next act mm-hmm. and it is like I didn't know that that was going to be the case and the entertainment in particular really fucking like knocked my socks off because i really liked the setup of it i liked the execution and when you show up at the bar afterward Mm -hmm. i was like you're kidding me because like (laughs) the the thing that what it leads you to believe in the entertainment through the use of these like external text prompts that come up yeah. uh, because the whole game is told through text, we haven't mentioned that yet. This is another game that, if you haven't played it, like this podcast probably isn't going <laughs> to do a whole lot for you. Uh, but when you like look around in the in the entertainment, you can look behind you until like what would be essentially backstage, uh-huh. and you're led to believe that this is like a student production that is to this guy something Doolittle his two of his plays mash together and mm-hmm. you are playing the part of the barfly, And then everyone else is performing the entertainment, but you are actually watching something that is real. Yeah. And when you show up and, and like the, the, the entertainment, the band they say is coming. Yeah. Meets up with you and becomes part of your regular traveling party and the fact that Harry, the barkeeper is just like a regular dude and is there. Mm-hmm. And all of this presumably happened on the same night. It's just fucking wild. Like, yeah.
1: I, I saw all that coming a little bit more clearly, I guess <laughs> like I, I the whole part with like the plays I kind of thought of as like a framing device mm-hmm. or I don't know. But as soon as I, I met June bug and Johnny, I assumed we were going to the bar where that interstitial took place.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, when, when you get introduced to Junebug...
1: I mean, I thought that's pretty early in that episode. Yeah, it's like immediately. Yeah.
0: But the fact that it happens at all is mm. what surprised me. I yeah. didn't expect any of that to actually occur. Because um, if you look at the interstitial between episodes one and two... Mm-hmm.
1: With the museum. Yeah,
0: it's just this, these art exhibits. And they're... Don't you
1: go to that museum? Isn't that where you meet Ezra? Isn't that the same building?
0: No, because that's the museum of <laughs> Welcome to Kentucky Route Zero, everybody. That's the Museum of Housing.
1: Uh, that
0: is the other one is a is an installation of all of Lula Chamberlain's
1: Okay, I thought those were the same place.
0: No, they're two different locations.
1: And also the people who are there are, are the people from the T V station. Right. Emily and Bob, I don't ben, remember the other ben, ones. I think it's Ben, Bob, and 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 Emily. Emily. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, Who
0: I believe are also the people who are playing D&D in the first chapter.
1: I don't remember that. Okay. (laughs) But I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So those are the people in that museum. I don't know where that museum is. Mm -hmm. I'm presuming it's on The Zero. Probably Because I think the TV station is... I mean, it's off the Echo River. The geography is intentionally confusing. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, like, so I, I, I just, I didn't know what was, like, a real thing that was happening, what was interpretation, and what was just supposed to be flavor. Yeah. And when they come, like, colliding together, which is kind of the point, I guess, mm-hmm. it really, like, shook me. Yeah, yeah.
1: that is where they merge the, the inner like, it did feel like they were separate, and that is where they merge. Yeah. You were correct
0: let's just start with act one I guess
1: sure um do you do you want to talk more about like the scenes or kind of like because one thing I find really interesting are the, all the different forms of maps mm-hmm. and how like the the game world is presented to you um i I like the road map a lot you move the little wheel around it and it almost kind of gave me like a I don't know if it's the best comparison, but kind of like West of Loathing or like something where like you move a piece around a map and you get a little descriptor of like what's there and then you check it out and there may or may not be a scene or it might just be text.
0: That might not be the best description, but it's weirdly also the one that I thought of. Mm. So it might be, actually, the best <laughs> description. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I did like that. I loved that when you were on predominantly just Route 65, it was like a tire for Mm -hmm. your truck, but then inexplicably it becomes like a unicycle when you're on the Zero. Like, it has pedals on it. Yeah. Uh, I don't really understand what that's supposed to mean, but I like (laughs) that they have, like, a differentiator because it makes it look, like, goofier in a way that is unreal and strange. Uh, But, yeah, I also like the... I like... I like the aesthetic of the zero uh because I'm a dork but in addition to that I like the I like the method of navigation as well like the fact that you have real world navigation uh the way that they tell you to get places go to the prosthetic factory make a right mm-hmm. and then on the zero it's like just that but corrupted a little bit it's like go until you reach the crystal and then turn, turn around. around and that's just how everything's Navigated, like the landmarks don't show up until you've like put in a combination. Right. Uh, I just, I, I thought that was really interesting and well done. I don't know if that is supposed to symbolize anything.
1: Yeah, I, given that the game is called Kentucky Route Zero, you spend surprisingly little time on Route Zero. Yeah. And I kind of felt like they added a few too many forms of like transportation. Because, like, you had the whole thing with Julian, like, flying on the bird, yep. you got the Zero, you've got Route 65, and you've got the Echo River. Yep. I feel like they could have all just kind of been consolidated, is that the right word? Yeah. Uh, into one thing called Route Zero, uh, and that could have been fleshed out more.
0: Yeah, I think, so I I expressed some lament when I finished this game and realized I wasn't going to have time To go back and uh, hit the spots on the Bureau of Secret Tourism pamphlet. Mm -hmm. Because there is more stuff on the Zero, but that stuff is akin to the stuff that you can just find driving around in town. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know if you did a whole lot of. A little bit. Yeah, they're all just like... And this is like the story of this game, but... There are all these just evocative descriptions of things that play out like Zork, like a text-based game. Uh And you don't have... It doesn't... It's not like new content in the way that each scene is. It's just new text to make you think about stuff. Uh, And everything on the Zero is... It's essentially the same thing, from my understanding.
1: Yeah, and it, it's, like, all optional. Mm. You know, and if the game had presented, like, a point in the story where it, would like, incentivize you to stop and explore the zero, like, mm. I think that also would have been fine. Like, it just never really does. It's like you're on it, you go to a place, and then, like, you move on. Yeah. You know, like, it's so downplayed, like, once you finally get to it. That I, I just that seems like an oversight to me, or like uh, I don't know. Given how like the first act builds up to it, and then it's just kind of like the the a better name for the game would have been like Kentucky Echo River because right. you spend a whole <laughs> lot more time on it, and a whole lot of significant stuff happens there. Yeah,
0: I, well, and I mean, on top of that, it's like it's it feels like it's a change in direction. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted to go somewhere else with the plot of the game. But they couldn't change the name of the game from Kentucky Route <laughs> Zero after doing two episodes. Right. So they ended up just kind of, like, rolling with it. Like, the Zero is indicative of, like, traveling on the other side. Like, and it seems to mean different things for different people as to, like, why they would right. want to go to the Zero. The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone. Uh, but... It is always, like... That's, like, the thing. Like, presumably people don't go to the Echo River because it's all underground. Just, like, casually. Right. It's always... It's in the same sort of vein. So it serves, like, sort like the same purpose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, Yeah, I agree. It is weird, and I wish that you would have gone back at least once. Because mm-hmm. the one time that you really have free reign uh, to be on the Zero... Your character has a horrible limp. Yeah. And it makes traveling slower. And they are constantly talking about how it looks like you're about to die.
1: Yeah. And like, you have like, it's a very linear, like, story driven game. And like, you have the, 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 the delivery there the whole time making you feel like well i can't take too long to deliver this package you know <laughs> like how long has it been like days right and i've made no progress uh you know let's so you have that narrative reason to keep moving and also like navigating the zero is confusing and you feel like you might get lost so you don't <laughs> want to like fuck around you just kind of want to go follow dir- the directions you have yeah so yeah there's a it doesn't quite click into place the way you would want it to. Yeah, there's a
0: I don't know how to, like, there's a slight implication, I think, in the game that time isn't passing. Yeah, like Yeah, anything. I think
1: the whole... ...thing takes place in, like, two or three days?
0: Well, I think the the plot of the game takes place over the course of one night. One night? Yeah. Like, I think when... There's, like, a, an element of just sort of... What, like, what is happening isn't really, like... Causing time to... Like, I think that time is either ignored by the game completely... Or time underground doesn't change. Uh,
1: see. In my mind, like everything up to, um, like the Echo River had been like one night. Then mm-hmm. all the time spent on the river was like its own day. And then showing up at the town at the end was a third day. That's kind of how it felt to me.
0: I could potentially see that. I believe, But I think you
1: might be right. Like, it does kind of feel like it doesn't acknowledge time at all. Right. And it could all just be on one one day. Yeah.
0: Well, because the, the reason that I say this, and actually the reason why you might be right as well, is it bookends, like, the first scene at Equus Oils is the sun setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talk about it, like it's called attention to. And then... Act five is the sunrise yeah. on the on the day after when you make your delivery, uh, and ever you're in Dogwood Drive where the station is and everything, but then in the middle you're mostly underground, so it could eas like a day could easily pass without you knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Act three, maybe early in Act four. Mm-hmm there's the situation where conway gets indebted to the power company and has to start work in the morning right so that would have to take place like during the day before the sunrise right or the nighttime before the sunrise (laughs) i don't know when that is (laughs)
1: yeah it's definitely time is convoluted in kentucky
0: time is convoluted in kentucky
1: that's what i always (laughs) say when i'm in kentucky um, but do we want to dial it back? Cause I do want to talk yes. about the first, <laughs> about the first act, um, more like kind of how it's designed and everything, because it starts out with you showing up at the gas station, uh, with the big horse head, you know? Yeah. It uh, cuts a good silhouette. It, it sure does. Um, and, right away you're playing as conway the old man and like first thing you get to do is like name the dog etc and then like you go in uh to the gas station to get we well, had to like flip the breaker or something because the power goes out yeah uh so you go down there and there's like people playing d and d and there's like the one thing that you could call a puzzle in the game where you have to turn the light off to find the glow-in-the-dark d20 uh, you, and you go back to the table and they're not there. It's just, like, this really nice setup to, like, the supernatural elements. Like, the old man isn't really, like, at the gas station isn't quite what he seems. And then you experience weird things in the basement. And then he sends you to this woman' ha- woman's house, like, Weaver something Weaver. I don't remember. Weaver Marquez. Yeah, there you go. Um... And she's got, like, a broken TV, and she's going to tell you how to get to the Zero, if you can get it fixed for her, et cetera, et cetera. It kind of, like, sends you off on your little quest, and you meet Shannon and all that.
0: This is... I want to just, like, stop and point out one thing. Um, we talked at the very beginning of this episode about how the game has this relationship with the choices it makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how you answer her, because this is one of the few parts of the game that I've done twice... Mm-hmm. You can, like, if you tell her, like, sure, I'll get your TV fixed, and she, like, holds the information about the Zero hostage, mm-hmm. you can, it, she'll send you to the uh, the bait shop where uh, Shannon is. Uh-huh. But if you ignore her, which is what I did, and be like, I really just need to get to the zero, if you could please help me. She gives you the same instructions to go to the bitch shop. <laughs> like, there's no difference in, like, what your next thing is. Uh-huh. It's just, like, this slightly different flavor. And I, I that's one of the things that I like about that mm, approach, I That guess. is
1: funny. Uh, but, yeah, and then she sends you out to find Shannon, and you end up finding her at the coal mine. But I like a lot of the focus on, like, the mystery of the Zero and exp- having to explore the map. Mm-hmm. There's, like, an emphasis put on that. And that mix of, like, the way the narrative's delivered and, like, the exploration of the map and how, like, you never know which spot's gonna give you a little scene, etc. cetera. Like, uh there's, like, the car wreck that has a scene, but, like, there's nothing there, at least that I found. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's all laid out and designed in a way that i like
0: it makes you want to go off course in a way that like is kind of the fact like i think it's the simplistic design and the fact that things will just sort of like spring into existence It, it means that you can't look at things and go i'm not interested in doing that you had like you'll see it and because you see it you'll want to do it so you end up doing the thing and then you go look at all these other roads like am i gonna go down these of can mm-hmm. i go down them right now there are a lot of roads yeah and you can just drive around like there's a scene that i found where it was just two guys pushing an airplane yeah and i waited until they pushed it all the way off the screen to see if something would happen no <laughs> they <you> leave nothing <laughs> Like, it's just these two Sisyphus plane pushers <laughs> doing their thing, and then it just ends. And yeah, you move and on.
1: I just feel like the rest of the game never really has that sort of feel to it.
0: Yeah. At the very least, it isn't like. It isn't environmental exploration. Mm-hmm. There's very.
1: And there's not really
0: many other kinds of exploration to be done. Uh. Everything is more compact. The vistas are bigger and more, like, visually impressive, Mm -hmm. but there feels like there's less to do in them. I'll put a fucking bookmark down for Act 5 because that's, like, a. it feels a little... It feels very different from the rest of it. Uh, But, yeah. It also feels like Act 1 sets up for a game that could exist that is, like, a different totally different game mm-hmm. where you actually solve puzzles and and like go from place to place to do things for people in order to achieve goals uh-huh. but that really isn't the game that we got <laughs> <laughs> There's there aren't really any other puzzles there's one other place where you have to do something at a prescribed time uh, in order to proceed mm-hmm. but that thing is also just turning a light off which is incredibly confusing. there's two other times where you turn lights off to proceed. Yeah. Uh once in the minecart, which is also an act one. Uh or is that in act two? Yeah, that's an act one. Yeah, uh, act one. And then in the bat sanctuary. But that's all. That's all there is. <laughs> <laughs> it's really strange. Uh uh, do we wanna get to act two from here? Uh to try and describe how it like changes. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Because at the end of Act 1, you do pick up...
1: The end of Act 1 is probably my favorite scene in the game. Okay. Where you focus in on the TV, and the barn disappears, and it becomes the uh, the entrance to the Zero. Yeah. Like, I remember when we played this the first time, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, that's so cool. Like <laughs> I it,
0: gotta remember to ask if this game is finished yeah, for the next eight <laughs> like, years. Like, that
1: was such, like, the... Like, I was already hooked, but that was, like, the line and sinker mm-hmm. uh
0: interestingly so i was not as excited about the rest of this game after playing act one as you were
1: well you stopped paying attention like yeah, we were fun. yeah I, we were, I did go back and play through act oh, okay one i didn't know that
0: yeah uh the thing that actually hooked me this time around where i was like never mind i actually love this was one second after that in the the art museum Like, I thought that whole sequence was fantastic. Uh, But yeah, so that actually is what happens after Act 2. Though I do agree with you on that sequence, because you get the part of it before uh, when you're talking to uh, to Weaver, Mm -hmm. uh, the only time that you actually speak to her in the game. And you look at the TV, and then you zone out again, and the barn is there, and the horses aren't in the barn and that's like a he makes a note of this right uh and so like the fact that the barn is there like you know that there's something strange about it and then when you come back and get that second uh reveal it's just super good Mm -hmm. um yeah so the first interstitial that came out between the first two acts is just four i think it's four pieces of like artwork Mm -hmm. uh that you go around to and just sort of like go through a series of
1: of dialogues Mm -hmm. three people talking about it Mm -hmm.
0: and i the big focus on this one is the the tape uh where you sort of like can read uh you come back to the story later it's set up for what actually happened with lula chamberlain uh which is she i guess was an artist and then started doing work with uh, a guy whose name
1: I don't remember. I feel like I should remember it. Walter? I don't. Did I think, totally. Make I don't that think up? that's right. But we can call him that.
0: <laughs> well, it's an old man, an old crazy man mm-hmm. when you meet
1: him the lord of the mountain
0: yeah the lord of the the hall of the mountain king now the mountain
1: king that's it yeah
0: he uh but it's like her him and then a third guy john Mm -hmm. uh and like they they go on this whole like they're they're doing research and they go into this cave and it sort of sets up for like what the whole like why that dude is stuck on the zero why everything is down there Mm -hmm. uh but what you get in this interstitial is just like a it's magnetic tape nailed to a wall and you follow it with a playback head uh or rather a character does and you just tell him what directions to go Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's structured like a like once again like a text-based game like zork and I only want to talk about this. I mean, I love the visuals of the whole thing. I love that if you start going left and walk all the way around, you get to the exit, but if you keep going, it reveals that the exit was just like a perspective switch from the plaque that begins the whole thing, uh-huh. which blew my mind, but I'm some fucking <laughs> plebeian who doesn't understand art, and just the simplest visual <laughs> illusion makes me uh, crap my pants. Uh-huh. Uh, but the thing that I love about the tape section is that there's a point where you reach an ending, and they go, "There's some tape we haven't played. Let's just jump up there and do it because, like, it's what you would want to do." Yeah. In real life, and a game, never would give you that opportunity, and I—it's just such a brilliant move that they're like, one of them is just like, "It's not fucking cheating. Like, we're in an yeah. art
1: exhibit. Like, just do it." <laughs> it does give you that feeling of like breaking the rules too. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but yeah, I did love that, uh, and then Act Two happens.
1: Right, All right. So Act Two opens up at the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces, yeah, as it's called, uh, which I think starts off right off the bat with a cool visual, where like the the road has just ended mm-hmm. in the building, like you just have the park or the truck parked in the in the lobby. Um, and they make a comment about how, like, their road just ended. It's it's an interesting thing. And the building is also, like, half office building, half church. Yeah, it Weirdly. used
0: to be a cathedral, and then they put the building in there and yeah. moved the people into a storage locker.
1: Yeah, and then you go over and you talk with the secretary and everything, and they, you're kind of sent on a little goose chase to all the different floors, and one of them is just filled with bears. Uh <laughs> It's a really strong start. I really liked the beginning of Act 2. I don't know if Google,
0: uh, like the company Google and the algorithms that they employ in order to deliver personalized information (laughs) to everyone uh, through digital means, knows me really well, or... If this is just a very common question, but if you begin to type Kentucky Route Zero into Google, one of the top results for me was Kentucky Route Zero space bears. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if I would have Googled that, but seeing it made me Google it. Uh There's no information. (laughs) It's just there are bears there. (laughs)
1: It's, It's super weird. Did you go to that floor? Oh, yeah what happens the bears
0: just look at you like you can walk around and they will follow you by Mm -hmm. like looking as you walk by but they seem to be doing business just as bears do
1: yeah (laughs) i didn't (laughs) go to it uh i don't really remember why because i thought about it but then ended up not i think that's the way i was with this whole game Mm -hmm. like there were optional things i was like i want to do that but then I just kept going along with the story <laughs> and then, like, forgetting about the extra stuff.
0: I, I The extra stuff, a lot of it feels, like, interpretive. Like, it's things that you could go to and then it sort of, like, will deepen the, the tone that whatever scenario you're in is going for. But it doesn't always... Like, I don't think any of it is... Well, obviously it's not critical because it wouldn't be called optional uh, <laughs> if it was but like i don't think any of it is so additive yeah that it that it really is necessary like i don't think that you had a worse experience for not looking at the
1: bears <laughs> uh I mean, you get to see them when you ride the elevator past. So, yeah, you know.
0: It, it was like the third time on the elevator before I noticed it, and I was like, I did like that thing where everything was weird, and so as the elevator went by, it all just kind of like became nothing to me. Uh huh. And then, I mean, I
1: can't relate to that at all. I say uh huh. But...
0: <laughs> and then I noticed the bears and was like, I, I like
1: squinted it, a little bit. It says bears on the elevator list. button. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bears immediately jumped out at me. Well,
0: the elevator button did. I was like, ha-ha, bears. Uh-huh. But I didn't think to look at the individual uh. floors. Uh, so that was an amusing twist when I did catch it. Uh, which is obviously why I went to the floor right. and didn't just skip by
1: it. Yeah, I guess the delayed reaction would make it more tempting to go there. Yeah. Uh, then I kind of forget what happens next. You go back on the zero... Well,
0: the, cause what it actually Cause your leg is, can you try
1: to look for the doctor.
0: Right. Well, you go on the zero to go in the, the infinite convolution that yes. is this plot, the plot of this game. Uh, what you actually, like the, the, the beat by beat structure of act two is you get on the zero, you end up at the bureau because everyone ends up at the bureau because mm-hmm. it's like the only place that you can just find, I guess, uh. They tell you to go, you ask where Dogwood Drive is, they ask you to go talk to somebody. There's a bunch of bureaucratic runaround, it's actually also like uh, West of Loathing Mm. in that sequence where you had to keep going back and forth from the ghost town to the other place. Right. And uh, eventually they say that you have to go get their old files, which are in the storage locker where they moved the congregation of the church that they reclaimed.
1: Right. So you go
0: there, you get the files, then you go back, then you get the address, to, the instructions to get to Dogwood, and then you go to the doctor, right? Who's in the real
1: world on Route sixty five, right? And you have to take a bird there, right? Well,
0: once again, you get instructions <laughs> to go to the doctor's place. It's been replaced by the Museum of Dwellings. When you're in the Museum of Dwellings, then you get flown to the forest because that's where the doctor actually right. Is. So
1: we should, but none of it matters. Put a pin in that one right yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> That's is where you meet Ezra, yes. who's the next character you pick up, who, I don't know if I was just, like, not paying as close of attention to some stuff, but, like, it really felt like there was more to his story that you didn't really get a lot of time with. Like, uh, how his, like, his parents left him, and, uh, or he... He was waiting somewhere with his parents, and he was flew away on his giant eagle that he has for some reason. Yes. And then when he came back, they were gone, but all their stuff was still there. So something happened to his parents. And I, I don't know. I just it thought that I would get explored more. Fair. Because like most of his dialogue is kind of like jokes and like little kid observations, and it there's a whole thing about him kind of like if you. I guess if you play it this way of like Junebug and Johnny kind of adopting him. Yeah. Uh, so you get that, but like, you don't really get to explore like what actually happened with him that much.
0: Yeah. So Ezra has, Ezra's one of my favorite characters in this game for like, uh, the amount of, like, interesting shit that he brings to the table. First of all, when you first meet him, he's kind of, like, on a pedestal. Yeah. And I was interpreting it, it might have been forced perspective, or, like, forced not forced perspective, where you assume it is forced perspective, Uh but really he's right there. Uh... He is. I thought he was a grown adult man uh. until the bird flies you away, uh, and then like you show up and he's like a wood nib and run it like running <laughs> with legs real high yeah, in the air. He's got
1: his suit, on. but yeah, he's
0: wearing this like little white suit <laughs> all the time, and he plays out in the dirt. But the suit is spotless white mm-hmm. at all times.
1: It does. That's one of the things that feels the most Twin Peaks about this. Like Ezra feels like he could be a, a Lodge uh, resident. <laughs> he really does.
0: But uh, there's this like... So in in Chapter 4, and I don't know if this is like an only if you choose to do this thing or if you get this information otherwise, mm-hmm. but you can go mushroom hunting uh, with Ezra and Kate. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Ezra has this like brief bit of backstory where he undergoes some form of trauma, and I don't think it's ever really described. Like an injury or something happens to him, mm-hmm. uh, and the his parents put him in the car, and presumably he's like distant and he's not like paying attention to it. My interpretation is that Ezra was like put in an asylum mm. or up for adoption. Or he is dead and is a ghost. All of these things I think are equally possible based on what I know about him.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, because even like June, Bug, uh, and Johnny, mm-hmm. they talk about being like gray, faceless things that grew into their identity. Yeah. And there's like an element of metaphor to that where you assume that they just mean like they were anything. But then they learned music and it gave them like an expression for what was inside and they became the people they were. But also their character models
1: are flat grey and don't have any facial features. Well, I mean that's all of the characters. Yeah.
0: Well, but except they're not all grey. No. The fact that they have no color and shit makes me feel like maybe they aren't like quote unquote real humans.
1: Uh huh. I, I think that they I thought like, they were just pale because they travel on the zero and stuff. Yeah,
0: they could just be like um uh, like vampire pale.
1: Stowaways <laughs> <laughs> underground.
0: I have a very uh like supernatural interpretation. No, no, of I this think game.
1: I think you're spot on with Ezra. If I spot
0: on, you mean one of those three spots. Well, yeah, probably well, that's right. as
1: close as you can get, because as I was getting at, like, I don't think, I feel like they could have gone into him more. Yeah, he always felt a little bit too nebulous. And as a result, ended up probably being my least favorite character. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe that's just me.
0: Yeah, it could just be a personal preference thing. Like I like the mystery with Ezra.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I love a good mystery. Why it's why I like the first act so much. It just I don't think they give you quite enough to chew on with him. Fair for my tastes.
0: It is very curious as to why he has a big eagle.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah. Just no one ever comments on how like fantastical that is. Yeah, but, but I anyway. mean
0: they do also just jump onto like a metaphysical highway at some true, point, so. <laughs> the, the, like an
1: underground highway seems way more plausible than a giant eagle
0: let's think about the zero though is it isn't just underground well like, there's okay, something yeah. fucky with it's, it it's like Space an alternate time. yeah
1: dimension corridor thing.
0: yeah so i think there's like an element i mean conway obviously is like so far gone mentally delirious yeah old man. like by the time that you're like the events of the game take place that he they he could drive a, a truck straight to hell like a fucking deep purple album cover uh-huh. and like it would just make sense for him. He'd be <laughs> like, that's fine. I'll do that. He kind of goes along with the whole like driving truck for the Consolidated Power Company as well. Like, oh, yeah. He's so like complacent with it. Uh, he has like the one the, goal. It
1: felt like there was a supernatural element to that, too. Like he seemed so In- into it. That it seemed like maybe he was brainwashed.
0: Yeah, I mean that's some Act Three discussion from drinking
1: the alcohol. I think
0: the the hard times whiskey. Yeah, there it is. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll... Act Three I think has a lot of meat. Oh, want to yeah. go into um during the whole of Act Two though. Uh, it is like your biggest time to like sort of learn the zero Mm -hmm. and like what it is and and the shit on it um but a lot of the scenes are really sort of like uh vague there's not like a whole lot that actually occurs and drives the plot forward Mm -hmm. uh until you get to uh between the bureau and the doctor um it's just kind of like going back and forth and just sort of talking about stuff you get a little bit of backstory and conway You get, like, nothing on Shannon.
1: Yeah, Shannon, even though, like, Conway's your first character you get, Mm -hmm. I think Shannon ends up being, like, the audience surrogate. She's, like, the normal person in the group. It's also... Air quotes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's a normal person who happens to carry around batteries, a degausser, several feet of wiring. Right,
1: well, she works... She fixes old TVs. Yeah. Like everyone else in the game, she's a hipster.
0: True. Well... Maybe. Like, we've (laughs) talked about before, it's unsure what, like, the time period is. True, yeah,
1: but all of, like, the trappings of this game are very, very hipster. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way, just lots of things, like, uh, the kind of music and the things that are alluded to are just kind of in that vein.
0: Yeah. There's, like, a new vein of hipster... That this speaks to, I think, more than like the vein of hipster that I was. Uh huh. Like I feel and, like yeah, I'm. There
1: are many shades of hipster. Yeah,
0: I'm like an older fashioned hipster than these than these newfangled <laughs> millennial hipsters, because like they, I don't really like jive with the whole like vaporwave aesthetic. Uh huh. And they really like there. There's like Junebug and Johnny, are like, they're those like the they're talking about like the. <laughs> How they use just like recorded sounds. Mm-hmm. The one lady just plays the ther. They, she set a world record for playing the theremin for twenty four hours uninterrupted. Yeah.
1: They're the kind of people that would just tape record anything and put it in a song and call it art because it's something that exists that they recorded, <laughs> and you know, like, and it's like that that kind of thoughtless. I feel quirkiness. like is
0: supposed to come off as weird yeah but also noble in a sense and i think they pull it off Mm -hmm. like Junebug and johnny end up being some of the more like like they seem like the most interesting characters by the end of it
1: well they feel i think they feel the most relatable to us because i feel like they're supposed to be around our age and they're that kind of like disillusioned yeah like
0: they're doomers
1: yeah like they they've hit that point in their life where like they realize what life really is. And you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? I do, it yeah. sounds d- dour and depressing, <laughs> uh, much like life yeah, is, but that's just life. Yeah. Like they, they've kind of had this idea of the kind of things they wanted to do and all that. And, you know, and now they're just kind of like poor 20 <laughs> something year olds traveling around on a motorcycle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to. Okay, so there's one thing that happens in Act 2 that is stupid, but I want to <laughs> mention it. It's like a mechanical thing that I, that I just found interesting. Uh, a lot of the time during this game, you'll just have like an ambient action button that you can click on to just do a thing. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the Museum of Dwellings, there's an umbrella button. Because oh, yeah. Unbeknownst to you, you can walk. Later, you will walk up onto an elevator and go up to the roof. And it's raining.
1: This exact same thing happened to me. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And you go like, what's
0: this button do? And you pull the o- umbrella up and you're like, cool. And then the guy who's talking about the security camera footage comments about how you're a crazy person because you were walking around with the umbrella o- open indoors. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Like, I love that oh. it gives you the option and then acknowledges it.
1: That's not what happened to me. Oh, nice. I thought this is what you were going to say is you ride the elevator up. It gets to the top, you see that it's raining, and you assume the action button is to put the umbrella up, but it's actually to make the elevator go back down. (laughs) So I had to ride the elevator back down, and then back up, and it's really slow and takes forever, and then you have to walk out of the elevator, and then hit the action button, and then he'll put the umbrella up. Score
0: one for being a stupid person,
1: (laughs) and just walking around with an umbrella all
0: the time.
1: Yep. So, I thought you were going to complain about how that was designed and it took forever.
0: <laughs> nope. We'll get to Act Four later. Uh, <laughs> after the break. Welcome back. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> We already kind of talked about uh, the entertainment earlier, so I don't want to dwell on it for too long. Um, this was really an interesting uh, interstitial, and the one that made me sort of like codify this game in the way that it is actually set up, where it's like, act where you focus on the main cast of characters, interstitial where you focus on a secondary set of characters who will eventually become important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to say just on the plot of the entertainment itself. And maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just this kind of a person. Mm -hmm. I found it to be strangely moving. Like, I... Like, the whole of this game is not, like... It it didn't speak to me on, like, a allegorical level. Uh, A lot of the issues that it describes are sort of, like, worldwide issues. Things Mm -hmm. like housing issues and uh fucking like small businesses crumbling in the economy. Capitalism. Capitalism. Space. <laughs> yes, not space. This <laughs> not is not space. about that. It's the
1: it's the last
0: place it's that a, isn't correct. about space
1: time on the Route Zero.
0: <laughs> Got him. Uh but it's a lot of things that fortunately uh haven't really affected me in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh and the, the concept of the entertainment deals with debt. And uh, Conway's story reflects this as well. He's somebody who sort of like feels like he owes a debt to... Uh, he refers to her as Liz. It's like Lysette or Lysanne, I don't remember, but like the owner of the antique shop mm-hmm. uh, because she's sort of, he's like her caretaker as she like slips into dementia. And, uh, his, like, final monologue before he's, like, erased from the story and then in the following act is about, like, how important it is to sort of, like, square up. Like, make sure that everything is, like, taken care of before you die. Right. Uh, and the, the, the villains of the narrative are the Consolidated Power Company, uh, which is... Uh, a not particularly subtle play on (laughs) an electric company uh, that would use the word power in the electric power sort Mm -hmm. of definition, but they are, like, buying up all of the resources around this area of Kentucky, making them a consolidated power, like they have power over things. Right. And uh, the way that they're represented is... With electric glowing skeletons. <laughs> yeah. And so it's this really sad story about like somebody who wants to move on with their life. Two people, actually, because there's the woman whose husband sells hammers, and then the woman who's going to cut her parents off mm-hmm. uh, and try and move and make a name for herself somewhere else. Uh, and then the parents who are, they're celebrating, which they say over and over again, right? a promotion that isn't actually happening. Right. And it it's is... It's an excuse. Yeah. It's an extremely melancholy story that they play out, and Harry ends up being just a dude. Right. Uh, but all of it is like... I don't know. It's it's sad and it's grounded, and then the reveal at the end is a as a the aforementioned electric glowing skeleton who has come to collect, I guess. Right. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was really powerful, uh, and will probably be the thing I talk about if people ask me to describe this game.
1: Yeah. I liked it a lot as well. I thought the interface was a little clunky, though. Mm. Like, it was kind of hard to figure out how to advance the story sometimes. Like, you felt like you had to look around at literally everything between every scene. Yes. So that was the only thing. There was some friction there where I felt like maybe I was doing something wrong the whole time. But other than that, yeah, I agree. Like, narratively, it was really good.
0: Yeah, that would not be the first or last time in this game that I felt like I was somehow mechanically doing something <laughs> wrong. Right. Uh, I agree with that. Mechanically, it is. this is not really the medium for the story that it was telling.
1: Right. Uh, and this one, the entertainment, was designed to be played in VR, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, even though it's on a lot of platforms that don't support VR. Like... Well, I guess the Switch does.
0: I doubt that it's Labo compatible, though. I uh, mean,
1: you could slot your Switch into the Labo headset, and. Uh, well, I guess the Gyro wouldn't be enabled, yeah. so. Never mind. Did
0: you play this game with the Pro Controller mostly? Yeah. Okay. I'm wondering if you had the Joy Cons if mm. you could do that. It's a good question. But I don't know. That would be interesting. I feel like it's probably outside of the budget of. Well, I mean, the Pro the Controller player. has
1: Gyro, too. True. So.
0: It's a, it would be, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. It might be the same as far as I know.
1: Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. That's the entertainment.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: and it was entertaining.
0: Uh, but uh, I, I do agree with you though. And I think that this bleeds into, uh, the next act in some way where the idea that like a lot of what you were doing was kind of just sitting and reading Mm-hmm. Like it was essentially a comic book uh, for that entire duration, and the whole thing is like it took me like forty five minutes or so to get through it. Like it's, it was long; yeah. it's really long. Uh, and actually, Act Three, Act Three, might be my like high point for it. Mm. I, I feel like it's really clean.
1: Yeah, Xanadu is the is really cool. It's one of the cooler things in the game.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, so this is where you meet up with
0: Junebug and Johnny, who we've already talked about. You go to the bar that we've already talked about. Um, but there's something in the bar that I do want to talk about. uh, The song? It's a song. Uh, the game does not have a lot of music. Uh, it has some, it's sparse, it's often very quiet, like, Mm -hmm. exceedingly whisper quiet.
1: Yeah, and it's got, like, it's like kind of droning and... Kind of what you would expect from, like, seeing the game.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the song that... I mean, Jim Bug and Johnny's song is probably the most, like, upbeat. Not tonally, <laughs> but, like, as far as, like, it's it's loud. It has, like, a power behind it.
1: It has a drum beat There's with a, a tempo.
0: <laughs> yeah. All of that is in this song, and it's the only time that they ever do this, really. And uh, it, it's interesting. like I, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Act 2, the clicking on the of the sign when you get to the bureau uh, felt so weird when it happened because it was this constant tempo mm-hmm. that just wasn't present ever in the rest of the game. Uh-huh. Uh, and then this song also felt really out of place, but in like a good way, uh, Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the reverse of the uh, You and I song from that Twin Peaks episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where it feels out of place in a terrible way. Yeah, I
1: like that the the roof of the bar goes away when they play. Like, it just... Yeah, it just really fits. Because, like, they are late to perform. And, like, when you show up and they just play for you, like, there's something about the setup... And then the song that they sing, it just, it works.
0: And I like that you can kind of, like, nudge how where the lyrics are going mm-hmm. as, like, part of, like, the mechanical implement, implementation of it. Uh, yeah. Which is really cool. And you get to do that again uh, with the poem. Yeah, at the end. At the end of the game. Uh, but it's very cool. Uh, and from that point, you do uh, get back on Zero.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like that you have the little motorcycle following you.
0: Yeah. As you like drive around. And they also they say they'll lead you there, but if you take the lead and drive, they'll stay behind you, but if you do a dumb thing and pull off the road like I did, uh-huh. uh they will go ahead and you can ah, like
1: follow them. I did not know that. Yeah, it's very like the the even
0: the icon of a motorcycle has a little bit of personality to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, so you end up back on zero. And uh, at the bureau. and then well, the, then the Hall of the mountain King comes in between. yeah. Um, so this is the meat of, of act three uh, and is the conclusion of like the Lula Chamberlain stuff that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this game, we've been jumping all over the place. sure have yeah. Uh, but you said that you liked the the Xanadu. Part. Yeah,
1: Act Three is my second favorite for sure. Um, yeah, like just it because I think it's because it has like that strong core to it of the Hall of the Mountain King mm-hmm. and the, the story of like him and his research assistants in that computer. Um, you need like some kind of magical like uh, linchpin. To, to kind of spin the story around i think uh but it's this old computer uh he said he worked on this like software it's like a perfect simulation of some bullshit i don't know it's, it's <laughs> kind of cryptic uh but you have to go and find uh like a password or whatever to get it to work because it's all like scrambled uh by the by the uh, skeletons from the power, the consolidated power company. Uh and that's kind of the reveal of those.
0: Yeah. What's super strange about it is everything, but what is what's very unexpected for me is there's this like I I want to get back to Xanadu at some point. Oh yeah. But like the the story of that like team the expedition team who's making the software that runs xanadu is that they go out and they go into this pit and in the pit they find uh these tunnels crystal tunnels and shit and presumably this is the same pit that's on dogwood drive that you find at the end of act five um but you go in and they find them and they find the strangers who speak with these like tape recorders and those are the skeletons mm-hmm. who are the people who are in debt to the power company and also maybe work for them and also make whiskey etc cetera, etc cetera, all the things mm-hmm. that they do uh, <laughs> i what i I'm, I'm very i'm m mm, i am very i am i do not understand their purpose in this whole like, narrative, like, the fact that they go down Like, in down Act there,
1: 3 or the whole game?
0: In the whole game, and I mean specifically Lula and John and Guy Whose Name We Forgot. Right. Like, they do this whole thing, and he is like, personally involved. Like, he wants to, the, He's making the simulation of something that he's already done, presumably so that he knows what to do next. hmm But... It's not, like, explicitly said. That's just what I think. Um, But, like, why were the skeletons there in the first place?
1: I think that's just was giving you, like, an origin of, like, that's just where they came from.
0: It's underground. Yeah, Yeah. and,
1: uh, in like, the crystal caves. uh, And, like, I guess the power company just uses them as workers and turns other people into them or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it was just supposed to, yeah, be, like, a cool origin story for them
0: yeah and it's got this neat like setup in uh when conway gets his leg crushed which we didn't mention kind of important yeah
1: in act one you end up meeting shannon at uh, a mine that her parents used to work at and you go down in there for i can't remember what reason Oh, you're looking for the entrance to the Zero. Yeah, and she's and looking she, for yeah. something that she yeah. is looking for. <laughs> and she leads you down there mm-hmm. by telling you that it might lead you to the Zero. Um, anyway, and then you end up getting your leg crushed while you're down there.
0: Yeah. So you do, and you go to this doctor, and he gives you a drug, and the owners of the, the pharmaceutical company makes the drug has been purchased by the Consolidated Power Company as is tradition, and when you wake up, your leg is gone, you now have a glowing skeleton leg. Yeah. Uh, And it's weird, Uh, I didn't think that it was going to be a permanent thing uh, when I first saw it, but it is just what your leg looks like for the rest of the game, or what Conway's leg is. You don't even know who you're going to be responding as. So it's really difficult to say that, like, Conway is the main playable character, even though he does take a lion's share of the text.
1: He is in, like, the first half of the game, and then he just isn't anymore. Yeah. As we talk, like, that's what I was talking about when I say, like, the priorities seem like they shift Mm -hmm. as you go between the episodes. Uh,
0: Yeah, so his leg is gone. But then you go through this tour. They think that you're applying to be a driver for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the end of it, it, he informs you that you, because you took this drink... Of, of the top shelf whiskey, but it wasn't your first shift to drink. That that means you have to
1: pay them back, so you have
0: to start working for them to work off that mm-hmm. debt.
1: Well, I Also, I think you're in debt to them from the operation.
0: Right. That's what made me realize what was going on. Once again, not a super subtle uh, metaphor, but the fact that after that, your arm is replaced with a skeletal arm. Mm-hmm. It costs an arm and a leg. Like, yep. literally, your leg and arm have been replaced by this skeleton thing. And, man, like, I, I didn't realize it initially, and, like, looking back, like, if I explained this to someone, they'd be like, that's fucking, that's like the gas station sign where they put arm and leg as, like, yeah. the fuel prices. Like, it's kind of just almost a bad joke. But, like, the reveal, the fact that I had to come to that conclusion myself... Yeah, I actually loved
1: that. Yeah, it's it's subtle enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's spaced out, too. Like, you get the skeleton leg in the beginning of Act 2, and then you don't get the skeleton arm till like, Act 4? It's like when the he has very it. end of Act 4, yeah. I think. So, it's spaced out enough that you don't think about it right away. Yeah. You're used to the skeleton leg by that <laughs> point.
0: In as much as you can be. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so the only other element of of this act that we haven't talked about is Xanadu, which uh, sounds sound like a broken record, but plays like a text based adventure game. But it
1: has visuals too. Yeah, so it it almost feels like a really, really, really old like computer game. And it's even like contextualized in that way, like with
0: like the weird resource management game that you can play for. I don't know how long. <laughs> I quit after like 5 rounds. Yeah. Uh Yeah, no, it's really crazy and I love that the vector visuals are like super good. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> just really like uh evocative. That's mm-hmm. probably not even the right word. Yeah, much
1: me. like with the zero itself like representing like a cave, like the walls of a cave with those kind of lines. Mm-hmm. Uh just is a really cool visual. Like, it almost kind of makes you think of, like, a topographic map or, you know, like, that kind of organic shape represented with that. And then the on um, the black, like, kind of represents, like, the blackness of a cave. Yeah, it, evocative is a good word. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's evocative of a cave in, like, a weird primitive technology way, which is a weird mix. It really is.
0: Uh, but, no, I also love that. I did not love... The horrible noises that it made all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a bit much. (laughs) Uh, I was playing it out in the living room and was like, even though no one was around, I'm like, oh, this is a little obnoxiously loud. I I hope I'm not disturbing (laughs) anybody.
0: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so then you go uh, into Act 4. Uh, You get picked up by the, the... the mu- the
1: mud mammoth the oh mud- yeah yeah the m- muddy mammoth muddy or mud mammoth, mammoth. The murky mammoth something like that it's a boat
0: <laughs> yes uh that just has a big mammoth
1: on it for some it's reason. mechanical a yeah a
0: mechanical mammoth
1: uh the yeah, the only way to get to dogwood drives to travel along the echo river of course you find out uh and
0: So, Ag Force is the most dynamic of all of them,
1: I think, is easier. Yeah, this feels like the foundation for its own separate game. Like, it's so much of a new, like, format change. Like, it's a pretty big shift.
0: So, I kind of want to go, like, just for my own curiosity, what, like, what of the major things did you end up doing?
1: I... Went off the boat for everything except uh, Shannon watching the videotapes. Right, which I also
0: did. Uh, but I didn't go to the gas station. Uh, okay, yeah.
1: That's with Junebug, Johnny, and Ezra.
0: Right. Uh, it, in my version of that, Johnny learns about the how to drive the boat, and they also give him a map. Uh, obviously, none of this ever comes up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but you do find a cool rock that looks like a dinosaur, and they tell you about a cliff that has a story written on it. Mm. Uh, and all of that's very cool, and I liked it a lot. Uh, I don't know what happens in the gas station.
1: Um, it, nothing too significant. Um, the gas station is one that just floats along the river that seems to only just show up when you need it. More magical uh, realism stuff. Right. Uh, it's the Traverse Town of gas stations. <laughs> uh, and the guy who runs it is, like, real lonely because he only ever, like, has people, like, random weird people come into the shop. Mm. And it's it ends up being just kind of like Junebug and Johnny talking about adopting Ezra, if you lead the conversation that way. Gotcha. Like, having another person there to run the drum machine. You gotta run that drum or, machine. Yeah, et cetera. There's also a dog there. And like you can steer the conversation in that direction of like them getting a dog, huh. like like it's kind of focuses on them as a couple and like kind of wanting a kid but not having a kid, mm-hmm. like adopting something Maybe to take care they're of.
0: Literally clay.
1: Yes, because <laughs> they're ghosts, they're <laughs> gold, clay golems.
0: Maybe they're human clay by Creed. Does anyone remember? That's the name of Creed's
1: album. No, <laughs> I had no idea what you were talking about. Uh, but yeah, that's what happens at off the boat cool. in that scenario.
0: Uh, I don't know if you hit anything. None of the things that I did. There was the the sequence where you go to the like questionnaire facility. That's very. Oh lengthy, yeah. Uh, and gives it like it ties stories together, but not in a way that is like particularly meaningful. Like one of the operators who works there was the girlfriend of Charlie, who is. The kid of the couple that Conway works for who Kanye got drunk, couldn't do a job, and he dies on the job. Uh, So that's, like, weird, Mm -hmm. but it's not like they don't show up later. Like, you don't meet with Mimi and whatever the other person's name was. Yeah, Uh,
1: I did, the game does that sort of thing a couple times where you take the perspective of someone watching a videotape. Mm Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really cool. Okay. That really fits, I think. I wasn't sure
0: if you were going to take that in a positive or a negative. Oh, no, no, no.
1: I think that's really cool. Like, the context of, like, this stuff's already happened and you're watching it later is interesting. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it, it allows him to do a lot of weird things with tents as well, which is a weird thing to want to do strange mm-hmm. things with. But the fact that, like, uh, in certain sequences it's implied to have already happened so it's always like this is what you've always done like this was the thing that had happened and there's not changing
1: destination yeah it
0: it gives it like an eerie uncanny kind of feeling to any sequence that isn't taking place in the present yeah um but i like it i like it a lot Mm -hmm. uh so one of the things you do in act four if you don't leave the boat. Is uh, there you go? It's I think it's scene four. Uh, If you choose to see what blue is doing, blue and dynamite, (laughs) right? uh, It plays a four second clip of them sitting in uh, on a bench and nothing happens, and then it goes to scene five. That's an amazing joke, it's so good (laughs) because, like, you've always because you talk to blue, or sorry, doesn't always have to be blue, Uh, you can give it a male name, a female name, or no name. Uh-huh. But the dog in the straw hat that's on the cover. Well, I of the think game,
1: blue is gender neutral. I, that's true. But they say
0: they refer to blue as a girl. Yeah. And whatever the male name is as a boy.
1: Right. Uh, but either
0: way, they do. Uh, they do that sequence. And like, if I get a if I, if I can be asked to do it, I will put that up on YouTube uh, before this episode goes up. Because I, I saved a clip of it because it's so short. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just thought it'd be funny. Um, But yeah So the major thing that happens here Is this boat sequence And I want to talk about the boat sequence Because it's fucking strange uh, It takes a bazillion years And uh, Kanye's gone Kanye <laughs>
1: I want to commission a remake of this game Where instead of Conway It's Kanye West the whole game Kanye Route Zero <laughs> 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 the sequel to Conway Quest.
0: I want the opposite, where they hire a 70-year-old man to do covers of every Kanye West <laughs> Conway West song. Conway West.
1: Well, both can happen. They'll trade places. There,
0: perfect. It's a multimedia experience. <laughs> <laughs> Conway gets abducted at the end of it. Uh, did you think that you were supposed to control the boat with the control stick?
1: I, yeah, I did try and do that. I don't know. At the beginning, I it felt like impossible to get the boat to move at all. Yes. But then once it like got unstuck or whatever happened, it was fine. Yeah. I don't know. I think he, where you moved the light
0: was where he steered it. I'm hoping that that is the case and that I wasn't just futilely moving the control stick around. Mm. But by the end of it, I didn't know if I needed to use the control stick. Yeah,
1: it, it, that was, there was a lack of feedback there.
0: Yeah. Uh, but no, if there was ever a I'm going to die soon speech in media, Conway gives it in this, yeah. in this segment. Uh, the, obviously the sequence where he, like, gives her the truck is like a pretty obvious one Mm -hmm. but like this whole the whole conversation leading in and like he's kind of drunk at that point like you can see him slipping and I I don't know I really liked the scene but it was really fighting with me against the fact that it was so slow and so long (laughs) and I was like and I didn't know if I was doing it right or if there was a faster way to go Uh Like, if they had just told me at the beginning, like, the boat will move on its own, and it did, this is really one of my favorite scenes (laughs) of the whole game. But because I was also fighting with the controls, Mm -hmm. uh, it made me less, like, uh, in love with it. But, very good.
1: I was fine with the scene all the way through. It felt like it kind of ended abruptly. And, like, Conway's abduction... And, like, kind of lack of resolution felt bad to me. (laughs) Like, the whole fifth act, I was waiting for, like, a flash sideways to see what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know, I wanted some kind of closure for him that you just never get.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, I mean, I do. But I don't... Not
1: strongly. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen one
0: more look at him.
1: Yeah. It's like, we don't... I don't even, like, need to see him after that. Like, it just feels like that whole episode. It's just kind of like, oh, he's drinking. (laughs) And you don't get to see much of him. And he doesn't do a whole lot. And then it's just like, oh, now he's gone. Now he's leaving. Like, it just didn't feel like that got enough build up for like as far as him as like a character we didn't get like scenes well part of that is him. also because
0: you left the boat every time true uh he mostly stays on, uh, on the boat i think he entirely stays on the boat for the uh he does stand outside when you're doing the questionnaire sequence.
1: Yeah. And he also, the part where you, everyone goes and uses the telephone.
0: Oh, right. That's where the dog yeah, sitting He's is.
1: there and he like jumps off. He doesn't use the telephone. He jumps off the raft and swims back to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and no one really seems all that concerned that a drunk old man is swimming in the river. But yeah.
0: So it's, yeah, strange. it
1: just, yeah. I don't know. It just felt really weird to me. Yeah. The way that was handled.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff like this the the whole act I think feels like uh the game could be like morph as you said like into a totally different game. Like if there is a spin-off game that was just about the echo, the echo River. River, yeah. like I feel like there's enough here to yeah, set up. It kind of feels like that's it
1: could, what it wants to be.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: there's, like, a ghost ship that,
0: like, travels around that Mm -hmm. they briefly mention, but nothing really ever comes of it. Yeah, there's
1: a whole lot of things that come and go. Like, pretty much every scene off the boat, if the river is visible, like, at least one or two significant-seeming things, like, float by in the background. Yep. It's strange. Yeah, it does feel like, like a living world.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I assume that's the appeal. Yeah. But my thing with Con- I felt like Conway's story ended in a way that was, like, reasonable. Like, I think that there's... Uh, especially if you choose all the dialogue options in the... When you're inspecting the truck to trigger all flashbacks mm-hmm. to go and, like, learn about what he was doing before he was, like, where he is right now. Mm-hmm. You get this sense where he just feels, like, defeated. Uh, his story sucks and is sad. Like he's <laughs> yeah. he is he is definitely a miserable guy who's trying to portray himself as not being completely miserable. Uh and like him slipping back into drinking is like the thing that pushes him along to uh sort of accepting this inevitability.
1: Yeah, I mean, I even like that on paper and like I, it's, I don't need it to be like a happy ending or anything. It's just like, I feel like the presentation of it, or like the execution feels like it's missing a piece for me. Yeah. And
0: like I said, I, I don't disagree. I think that there are some things that could have been done to sort of like if anything, just clarify. Mm-hmm. Like you spend long enough with the character that it feels like, because you kind of understand where Shannon's at at the end of the game. Yeah.
1: but You don't really know with Conway. Yeah. Uh, it's like because you have like all these conversations Or a handful of conversations With Shannon and Conway where she's like Maybe you don't have to go work for them And he's always like ah. You know and like that happens like a handful Of times but no one ever Really seems that concerned about it You know like there's like a, some kind of a disconnect Like in that way where they never Really talk about it And then it just kind of happens And then they don't really seem like they're That sad about it <laughs> Uh, you know, like, they're never like, oh, should we, like, go at least check up on him? Like, should we go visit him, maybe? Like, nope. Move on.
0: Yeah, it feels like everyone... And this is part of the reason why Junebug and Johnny feel like such, uh, like, fleshed-out characters in comparison. Is everybody else feels like they're keeping, like, kind of a professional distance from everybody. Where they're like they like the narrative refers to Sh- to conway as shannon's friend like multiple times like yeah. they'll say her friend as a pronoun for conway and uh but it, it never really feels like that or if it does it feels like it's strained uh and i think that's why people don't talk about it yeah it's weird cuz shannon's the one who would and you can sort of navigate conversations to to do it but it's never, like, as... It never sounds as bad as it is. Right.
1: I don't know if I have much else to say about it, but... Uh, yeah, neither do I. But, uh, speaking of, like, the whole setup of the the way this act works, though, where it has, like, the split between the boat and off-boat, uh, I think it's a cool idea, but I think... By the fourth act, you're pretty clued in to the idea that the decisions don't really change the story at all. So much so that, like, I have absolutely no desire to replay the act to see what the other scenes are. So I think the linearity of it and the insignificance of the choices kind of hurt this act overall. Yeah. Even though I like it in concept. I like... So I'm, I'm, I agree, actually, I think
0: that it does sort of, and it's not, I don't think it's the linearity of the narrative and well, not the narrative, but like the game uh, of playing the game uh, hurts this act specifically, but I think that the, yeah, like the, the, the lack of impact that the choices make up to this point does make the fourth act feel like a massive departure. And it hurts a lot more when you go into a scene and then don't get what happens described to you. Like, you want to know because you're now invested in all the characters and you just have to make these choices. And sometimes I would agree with that. I would say, yeah, make the choices mean something so the player actually thinks about them. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. In this case, it doesn't work so much. Like, I love the fact that I got to watch the two dogs sit there for four seconds. But also, I do want to know what the fuck is going on. And I feel like I missed, like, a pretty big chunk of stuff
1: that could explain some things. So, I don't know. Yep. Is it interesting? uh... Like, this game gets more experimental as it goes, and I think... If you're thinking about it from that angle, I think this act is a success. Yeah. But, like, as the whole package, it, it's muddier. The Muddy Mammoth.
0: It's the Muddy Mammoth.
1: Uh, but, yeah. That's uh that's <laughs> act four. Uh,
0: I don't know if I... Because we're already going a little bit long. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to jump back and talk about the phone call. But oh right,
1: the, it was cool, and I loved it. It's and I, pretty funny. It's the most tongue-in-cheek thing.
0: Yes, and like the guy who delivers the narration has like kind of a Bob Ross thing going on. Uh, I, I loved it all around. I there was like a gag that was like, if you're listening to organ music right now, press this button. So I hit the button. It was like, does oh oh you are? He says, oh lucky you. Does it sound like this? And it plays a four minute clip. <laughs> of an organ song playing and then it goes is that the music you're listening to and yes or no and i said yes and it, it, he goes oh great i don't know where it's coming from let's listen to it again and it plays the whole <laughs> clip over again uh shit like that like i was i was busting i was busting guts uh yeah
1: the whole snake thing <laughs> yeah. um it gets to a point where it's like if you're doing this call this number And, like, I got to the snake thing, like, after I'd already done a whole bunch of other crap. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to, like, write that number down, hang up the phone, and then call it. But then I hung up the phone, and then it was just, like, started the dialogue where it was like, oh, let's move on. Yeah. This is over. (laughs) So I didn't get to call that number.
0: You can call back. Like, if you hit, you can tell them no. Uh. I did the same thing to tell them that I couldn't sleep. But because I wasn't on a phone, I was... I had a controller in my hand. Right. I couldn't tell them anything, so I just had to hang up and uh, then I moved on. But the, yeah, there are extensions and they do work, but I don't know if there's any payoff to any of it.
1: Gotcha. Act five. Act five. So one thing that I wanted to bring up the whole time, but this seemed like the uh, the the place to do it is, um, so we talked about how like it changes. Th- as the acts go on and i think part of what it's doing is it's widening the gap between the characters and the player with each act and it kind of culminates in this one where the whole act is you controlling a dragonfly or a bird and the cat that they had on the boat is chasing it around so you're the most disconnected from the characters in this one, yes, than you are from the whole rest of the game. Also, I th- think it's a bird. See, to me, it looked like a dragonfly. It's real, real small. Yeah, it, it, it like... looked like it had like a like a a mass with wings, and then like a tail coming off of it. To me, so I thought it was a dragonfly, but
0: uh, it moves real fast, real hard to tell. But either way uh cats would chase either Mm -hmm. so i think both are valid uh yeah i agree and i think because this is like a narrative delivery story exclusively um and is preceded by this interlude that is like the most eerie thing of like this shitty almost falling down tv studio Mm -hmm, it's
1: leaking yeah
0: And this big storm that comes through and kills the two horses and destroys most of the town with it. Uh, And when you come back, like, as the main party, it's the town, it's been destroyed. And there's no resolution to, like, the central mysteries of the game. Obviously, this is an intentional choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that the game would have necessarily been better if Weaver had been there in like a white flowing dress (laughs) uh, as doves fly overhead or whatever. And they're like, it was all the afterlife. Uh huh. Lost season six. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
1: Spoilers.
0: (laughs) Uh, But the fact that it is like this sunny sequence, and nobody is like, really put out
1: like no one in the town is well no one you talk to there yeah. are a bunch of like black specters that i think are supposed to represent just like random people in the town or they could be ghosts if you know. want to go with the supernatural reading
0: <laughs> i was going to ask how you read that yeah
1: i i read that as just pe- like people in the town that you that aren't, aren't yeah that are they make them not clutter everything up. But I mean, there was the storm and the horses died, so they could be dead people, but then why are the dead people not acknowledged? And the horses are, Yeah, if that's the case. So I think they are real people, but they're not important. So they're represented as just like a, a wispy black mass. Yeah.
0: My read on it was that they were the quote unquote people of nowhere.
1: Yeah. They, They do make a couple mentions to, like, making, like, offhand jokes, I think, at least in context, that, like, the town is haunted.
0: Yeah, and well, they talk about, like, the... In the interstitial, there's a sequence where they're trying to find, like, ghosts by listening in between the channels, like, the static on the radio, Uh, and Ron, who is ron is one of the most like unexplainable characters in the game like he just none of his behavior makes any sense the only character that he has any kind of like significant conversation with is a cat and is not responding to him uh uh talks he says he's the one who feeds the ghosts and that his barn is haunted so yeah I, i forgot about that line yeah like, there's something up, and I don't know if it's actually ghosts. Yeah, but, uh, it is hard to tell. Yeah, Even, like, the the idea of the, the people of nowhere, the, the whatever it is that they... Like, the whole... The thing that talks about them in-game, and I don't know if this is, like, a bilingual bonus-type situation, <laughs> is in Spanish, so I don't uh-huh. know what it was talking about. Uh, it's staticky and quiet, so I don't know if I would have heard it even if I did speak Spanish. Right. Uh, they just kind of described them as a society that used to be here
1: and isn't here yeah, anymore. souls trapped on the zero.
0: Yeah. So I'm not... I have no idea if that is... But that's just how I read it because I there were too many other things to think <laughs> about and I yeah. just put it in a box that I found. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't even really mind that stuff so much. I actually think those kinds of details in a story like this kind of just make it better when they're left unanswered. Uh, It's just, the whole thing with the main party like where 5 Dogwood Drive is just like this shell of a house and no one lives there but there is a bunch of furniture and they all just kind of move into it. Yeah. That's like an it's cute. Right. It's, like, kind of interesting, but, like, kind of comes out of nowhere. And I don't know. I feel, like, once again, kind of like with Conway, it feels like there's some kind of a missing element. Like, I do like it, but it kind of, like, but, like, uh, what else yeah. is going on here?
0: <laughs> my uh, 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 my read on the narrative... now. The parts of this are just not related to how I'm thinking about this. Uh-huh. But Weaver, who is who ran away and then basically has interactions with everybody that you run into.
1: Uh huh. I kind of feel like Weaver's definitely not real.
0: Could not be real. But none of this could be real. True. Also. Yeah. I feel like the fact that she cuts into the TV station with the message that she's trying to deliver to. Maybe anyone, uh-huh. but uh, almost certainly Shannon. And she get and leads her to the zero, in addition to that, furniture is what Conway was delivering, mm-hmm. is in the truck. And so I think that she was trying to bring people to the town in order to create a new beginning. Right. Now, what I don't understand, and like this podcast is going to give me imposter syndrome because I. I, <laughs> I feel like I have, like, an okay eye for, like, interpreting shit, but this feels like it goes beyond me. Uh-huh. Like, why did the storm destroy the town? Like, is well, that... Was that a random act? Was I that an think, act of God that well, they talk
1: about? If what you're saying is correct, or if we're assuming it's correct, I think she knew that was going to happen, and that's why she was trying to get new people to go there. Right. To move in... To replace the people that died (laughs) But that's like what's the motivation for that I don't know she seems like a weird chaos god (laughs) Doesn't she she just kind of Well yeah
0: (laughs) She just says things And if you go against her will She throws you off course And Mm -hmm. does some weird shit I mean definitely a chaos god If a god of any
1: kind Yes a
0: chaos ghost
1: (laughs) A chaos ghost
0: Uh Anyway, so they, they, they sing a sad song and then the game ends. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is really dismissive. I did love this fifth act.
1: I mean, yeah, it's really cool. And, like, uh, while I think the cat chasing the dragonfly method of delivering it kind of hurts it narratively a little bit by making you feel, like, more disconnected from it, uh, mechanically, very cool and distinct and makes the fifth act really memorable.
0: And you can do the flying cat trick.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you can do the flying cat glitch. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, and the fact that, like, it's just sort of... Because the whole fifth... It just takes place over the course of the entire day as you run to, around.
1: To me, like, I, I think that you are correct. It is just one day. But, like, the way you moved around and people were like kind of warping to different places made it feel like it took place over like a whole week to right, me. Yeah. But
0: oh, it is like, cause people start talking to each other and then they like develop friendships and shit. Like the, the guy who's fucking around with like the oils on the, who does the weather report, Elmo. Oh yeah. Uh, becomes friends with Johnny, which feels natural and like a thing that would actually happen. Uh, uh-huh. uh, but it does happen in like real lifetime eight seconds my interpretation time like maybe a few hours uh-huh. your interpretation time like three days that makes more
1: sense oh yeah <laughs> it just yeah like it seems like so much happens that this couldn't have just been one afternoon that know? woman
0: paints like an entire mural of two yeah. horses and the guy
1: like... digs the graves etc mm-hmm. etc et the guy fixes the plane yeah fig yeah well, he... I
0: don't know if he... he I guess he fixes well, it. Well, he
1: gets the motor running. Yeah. The engine, I mean. Whatever. Get your motor running. He gets Head out motor. on the highway. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> There's a lot that happens with yeah. a lot of people, and uh, it's really disorienting, like, what you have to be doing in order to move things along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it gives sort of, like, an element of activity to everything. Yeah. I, I think it works. The fifth act is... is Really, it's weird because I would never say it's my favorite act, Mm -hmm. but it's really good at what it does in a way that is totally different than the rest
1: of the game. Yeah, once again, kind of like Act 4, it feels like it could be its own foundation for a completely different game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would probably rather play the Act 4 game than the Act 5 game, but
1: yeah. Uh... Do you have any other nets? Yeah, I wanted to comment on the visual style. Um, the character models are very low polygon count, kind of like solid, blacky colors, and it's mostly like zoomed out, wide camera angles. So like, it kind of made me think about like playing games as a kid when games were like pixel art and like low fidelity and your imagination had to, like, fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, an interesting thing to think about. Like, would kids think that pixel art games look old (laughs) now, or would they be able to do the same thing uh, with it? Or, and, like, think now as an adult, like, has my ability to do that diminished? You know, it's, like, an interesting thing to think about from time to time. And I think this proves that, no, it hasn't, because even though the fidelity is low and the camera zoomed out, I like your imagination does, I think fill in a lot of the blanks and you don't even think about how simple it looks. And even though none of the characters have faces, I feel like I have an idea of what their faces look like. Right. You know? So like, I, I don't know. It just made me think about that kind of stuff. Like,
0: yeah, I actually, I think that it, the visual style does a lot for this game. Um, in addition to being like striking and strange, because like you don't, this isn't the style. This is this looks like another world. Yeah, not literally. Like I but... had
1: I had another game that I compared it to like early on when I was playing it, and then I completely forgot what it was and have not been able to remember.
0: There are definitely other games that use this style, but this has like a. I think it's the the way that it uses color and light mostly gives it a really unique look to it and uh the game is very good at symbols the fact that i guess i don't know if that's even the word you want to use but like when i think of this game when i thought of act one you think of equis oils with the big horse head and the gas station and the sunset coming down and when you think of uh like in act two there's like the the sequence where you're Uh, outside of the mines and there's like the house in the background and like it has the sense of depth Mm -hmm. but it's pretty flat color wise so it has it's it's like strange the barn scene it's it's really set pieces yeah the set the set piece that's probably a better way of putting Mm -hmm. it uh but it does that which gives it this like unique kind of vibe to it uh but it also makes the game feel really weird as well because like a lot of the time you're moving like 2D, mm-hmm. but you have a little bit of 3D motion because the characters are modeled. Right. Which makes it strange as well and the visuals kind of aid in that like, unrealness of mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah, and it, it doesn't fare as well when it zooms in real close <laughs> to no. the characters.
0: The, uh, when you start Act 2, and it's, it's in a close-up shot of Lula with the oh, folder yeah. on her desk. It took me like a few seconds to, like, piece together what I was supposed to be looking at. <laughs> yeah. it's
1: very weird. But, yeah, I just wanted to mention the the visuals.
0: Yeah, it a good call-out. Yeah. Because we didn't really say No, yeah, much. It yeah. was either
1: going to come up at the beginning or the end. I, I, I just knew it.
0: Yep. If you have final thoughts, press
1: 1. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> <Boop. laughs> Uh, yeah, hello? Uh, I've got final thoughts.
0: <laughs> uh, you're on the air. Uh,
1: so, as we mentioned uh, early on, we played the first act of this like five or so years ago. And I really loved the first act. Uh, and waiting this long, I think kind of like impacted my expectations in like the way the final product landed for me. So there was like a little bit of disappointment that it didn't quite follow through on a lot of the like stuff set up in the first act. Uh, this game is still great. Um, it's not going to be to everyone's tastes, but like I feel like this is already a hidden gem. I doubt this is going to get a lot of attention or anything. Uh, if you like adventure games, especially like more modern indie ones, like this one hits it out of the park I think and if you appreciate like experimental stuff like there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this game uh memorable set pieces like likable characters you know it, it didn't quite land on the level that I maybe hoped it would mm-hmm. uh but I still like this game a lot
0: yeah yeah Uh, briefly on the note of this getting a lot of attention I think that the weirdness of its development cycle in addition to the weirdness of just the game as it is Mm -hmm. uh, certain channels have picked it up I've talked to several people about this game uh, as I've been playing it and I want to say the majority of people who aren't as like who don't search this kind of stuff out aren't really aware of it or maybe they've heard of it but don't know anything about it Mm -hmm. whereas like most people, the people who listen to our podcast most of the time, uh-huh. are probably familiar with it yeah. at least in some way. Uh, but I do agree. Like this is, uh, I, no matter how hidden the gem is, it's still a gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved this game. Uh, it, this is a very unusual comparison, but I'm going. But I, I it gives me a feeling outside of the game itself like death stranding did where if I were to point to somebody and say I want to recommend this game I would have to think really hard before I followed through with it uh-huh. this is a game that I would recommend to like anybody but like I don't know how many people are actually gonna connect with it uh, I would be remiss if I just talked about ghost trick and mentioned that ghost trick was a little bit wordy and didn't Say that this game is entirely text based.
1: Uh huh. It it was a little mentally taxing at times. Yeah. To play a bunch of this.
0: There are very few voice actors in this game. When they're there, they're really good. They usually take very small roles, but uh, it's it's interesting and it, and because it is holistically text based. I think that makes me kind of like, it just feels like a different experience than playing a regular game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for a game (laughs) that you have input in, but mostly it's going to tell you a story, and the story's not going to be very clear, and it's kind of like a David Lynch meets uh, Kurt Vonnegut meets a godspeed you black emperor album (laughs) and you mashed all of that shit together somehow then you end up with something resembling what kentucky road zero wants to be Mm i don't know if that counts as a takeaway but (sighs) enjoy it (laughs) thank you for listening to noclip this week what are we talking about next time next time we're going to be talking about the last of us part two It came out recently,
1: and we were like, "All right, we did the first one. Let's talk about that. Maybe we'll get JJ back. We haven't asked him yet." (laughs) There's your peek behind
0: the curtain. This episode, (laughs) we literally have not texted JJ about this. Dude, we fly by the seat of our pants. All right. Hell yeah, we have such strong pants. We do. That's something JJ would say.
1: Very pumped. Pumped me hard.
0: Uh until that time you can get a hold of us on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. Uh there you can find our email if you need to just let us know. Hey, good work, dudes. Uh our YouTube, uh link to the Discord, uh all of our old episodes, as well as where you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play if that isn't where you're listening to this right now. Uh leave us a comment. Check out some episodes about. We mentioned the cat lady every time that the word adventure is said on a podcast. Uh-huh.
1: Broken age, yeah.
0: Jump back to Broken Age. That's not a bad episode.
1: Uh harvester.
0: Also, is that all the ad. point and
1: clicks we've done? <laughs> Pretty
0: much, yeah. <laughs> I've done some like weird stuff, like Deracine. kind oh, um, of like
1: d- detention. Detention, yeah, yeah.
0: Also, point and click. <laughs> Hello? Thank you for calling the Bureau of Cool Podcasts for the NoClip Podcast. Press the like button. Woo! <laughs> All, right, All I wanted was
1: a Pepsi. Just one Pepsi. And I had it with lunch. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was pretty good. <laughs> 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 it's a choice of a new generation.
0: <laughs> this Pepsi advertised me for a suicidal tendencies. <laughs>